All right, good morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together in worship. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. Thank you for your blood applied, Lord. We are here to offer ourselves to you as holy living sacrifices, Lord. Here we are, God, we say as Isaiah did, send us, Lord. Lord, let us be good soil to receive your word this morning, Lord. Let our hearts be open and receptive to everything that you have for us, Lord. And we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would impart the truths that transform our lives, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Can you say hello to a couple people before you sit down, please? Okay, everybody, have a seat, please. Good morning. All right. It's good to see everybody this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out, please, and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 6. And uh, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles underneath the seats. Luke chapter 6. While you're turning there, I'd like to point out a few things going on in and through the church. Uh, We have our Wednesday night study, and we're looking at Romans chapter 14, and Lord willing, 15. But I really encourage you to read ahead. It's very helpful to, to read ahead before we get into that. So Romans 14 and 15 on Wednesday nights. Saturday, we have our men's, that, uh, men's group that meets here at the fellowship, and also um, you can connect online on that as well. We have our one-day VBS coming up July 29th, so it's coming up pretty quick. It's a Saturday. There are sign-ups for that. We have our men's and women's retreats coming up in September. There are sign-ups for that in the foyer And uh, so with that, we are in the book of Luke. Last week we had a a guest speaker, so it's been a couple weeks uh, since we've been in this particular section of Scripture. And um, we're tackling the section of Scripture in the book of Luke that goes from verse 27 to 49. And so far we've gone from verse 27 to 42. And so this morning, we're just going to look at verses 43 through 45 today. And as we look at this section of Scripture, the title of this, we can, I guess now we can call it a series because we're in part two, and we're going to have a part three as well, is we're calling it The Difference Jesus Makes. And as we look at that and we ponder the life of Jesus and we think about the difference that He made, wouldn't you say He made a difference? Can you imagine what it would be like if Jesus never came? Jesus made the ultimate difference. And He has given us as His followers, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then He's given us the imperative to also make a difference in this world. And so we're just looking at three things. Last time we looked at this uh, particular area of love. 
and how the love of Christ is to be given to the world and the difference that the love of Christ makes. And this morning, we're going to talk about spiritual fruit and the spiritual fruit that comes from a believer's life and the difference that makes in the world. And we're going to finish it up, Lord willing, next week talking about spiritual stability as we finish out the chapter. And so we're going to read through, starting in verse 27, we're going to read through the verses all the way up until verse 45, and then we'll look at it a little more closely together. So Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and it will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank In your own eye, or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your own eye or your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So this is what we're going to focus on today. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bush. From a bramble bush, a good man out of the good treasure 
of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so, as we work through this section, we're seeing these contrasts and these distinctions being made by Jesus himself. The distinctions and the contrasts to two different types of people, sinners and those who are forgiven sinners, or another word for that is being born again. And the distinctions that he's making then, as he's addressing those who are followers of Christ, is to say that there is a distinct difference in your life. There's a distinction to what has happened to you because you are forgiven. So that is the basis for what he's saying. He's saying that even though that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that, that there are those who have been forgiven of that. And because they have been forgiven, then their life has been radically changed. Radically changed how? First and foremost, that the love of Christ has been received by that individual. The love of Christ that has been received by that individual has and will change that individual. That individual will now be a son of God. They will now have an inheritance. They will now have a new life in Christ. Basically, everything's different because of the love of God. And so as he's working through that section of Scripture, he's talking about the difference the love of God makes. And so we, we really broke that down and looked at that carefully last time. But now, the second difference that he's focusing on in a believer's life and the difference that Jesus makes is what he talks about as being fruit. Notice... In verse 43, as he breaks this down to us and wants us to understand the difference that Jesus makes in a believer's life, he says it like this. He says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. So what is he doing there? He's giving us an analogy. And he's telling us, like fruit that comes from a tree, he's telling us that what comes from our life is something that comes from who we are. He compares a person's life to like a tree. So none of us would think about going to an apple orchard and picking pomegranates. We would never think that. Why would we not think that? Because we know something, don't we? We know that apple trees produce apples. So we know that. But when it comes to us using this analogy, what he's doing is he starts off talking about the origin of spiritual fruit. Now, that's important to understand that he's talking about spiritual fruit. He's talking about things that men in and of themselves, men and women, mankind, they don't have and they don't possess and they're not able to bring out of their life. So 
generally, we can do, even as believers or non-believers, we can do some good things. There's some kind, benevolent actions that can come from our lives. But what he's talking about is, is something that cannot come out of anybody's life unless their DNA is changed to where they have a now a new spiritual DNA, to where their nature is different, and only that person can bring forth spiritual fruit or bring from their innermost person the things of God. And those things that come out of the heart of a believer, they come from the nature, the new nature of the believer. So that's why he says a good tree. So he's talking about the origin of where actions spring from. And this good tree, it, it does not bear bad fruit, he says. So as he's, he's telling us about the nature of our actions, about the nature of what comes out of our life, where, where do the things that come out of our life, where do they come from? He's talking about that. He's talking about the origin of the things that come out of our life. So, so let's just look at that for a second. Let's just think about that. So what's the, the source, the origin? Where do our actions spring from? What, what we do? You think about why do we do what we do? Why do we think the way we think? Why do we choose the choices we, we choose. Why do we do those things? So that you can tell this is it, it's forcing us to think a little deeper about our life, about the things of our life. And as Jesus presses this point upon us, he says, he talks about a good tree. And he's saying that because he has emphasized, and the Bible emphasizes something extremely important about mankind. And it's illustrated in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. I'll read it for you. Jesus says, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. So Jesus in Mark 7, he's saying when there are certain actions that come from our life, he's telling us, that those actions tell us something about ourselves, And he's saying that because he wants us to understand our nature, our true nature, like a tree. A tree brings forth a certain kind of fruit because of the nature of the tree. So the Bible wants us to understand our nature, 
And this is huge. This is huge. Big. Mammoth. Because generally, generally, because of our sin nature, we think we're good. Our sin nature makes us think we're good. So if our sin nature makes us think we're good, then it's very difficult to come to terms with who the Bible says we actually are. And Jesus is pounding this point home and does so throughout the Gospels because if our sin nature deceives us or tricks us into thinking that we're good, then what is the point of the cross? There's no point. It's meaningless. Because if we think we're good, then what was the point of Jesus dying on the cross? Or maybe you say or think, well, I'm bad, but I'm good too. Again, what's the point of the cross? If our origin, if what's inside of us, if, if who we are is good, then it renders the cross meaningless. And so Jesus is explaining that when we see certain things come out of our life, in that list in Mark chapter 7, when we see some of those things in our life, it should tell us something. What should it tell us? We're not good. But what does a sinner have a tendency to do? When I say sinners, I'm talking about all of us. What does a sinner have a tendency to do? A sinner, because we're sinners, we have a tendency to, even when we are pointed out something that's wrong or not right about us, we have a tendency to justify it. So we say, well, that's not really me. It wasn't me that was doing that. Or one of my favorite, I was hangry. So you can't, can't blame me. I was in church all morning. I didn't have time for breakfast. So there we go. I was hangry. So there you go. Don't blame it on me. So our sin nature has a hard time with this, the confrontation of the reality of our own condition. And so Jesus presses this home about the things that come out of our life should tell us something about our condition. What is that condition? What does the Bible say about that condition? Jeremiah 17.9, you might want to jot that down, tells us that the heart is deceitful. And then he says, above all things. So how deceitful is our heart? It's more deceitful than anything. What is deceitful? It tricks us. And I just kind of explained some of the ways our heart tricks us. So our heart tricks us. It deceives us. That means that even though you and I may recognize some bad things that come out of our life that are not of God, our heart will trick us to say and justify the things that we do. It's deceitful. It's the most deceitful thing. So imagine, probably like all of us, at one time or another have been told or had a philosophy of life to follow your heart. 
well, could that be a problem? What if truth is not absolute? The Bible says it's absolute. But what if, like the world, who says the, the truth is not absolute, but it's relative to how you feel and your own personal experience? So would you have a problem with that philosophy? Because have you had a wrong choice that you've made and you thought was so right? You thought for sure this was it and you made a bad choice? Don't follow your heart. The Bible says don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. And following Jesus often and probably almost every time will cause us not to follow our heart. So our heart is deceitful. It tricks us. And it's wicked. And it, it's number one gold medal on the list of deceitfulness. So the heart's good at that. The heart's an Olympic champion on deceiving us. And the problem is that it's, it's us. It's in us. This is us. And so our sinful nature deceives us and tricks us and leads us down wrong paths and in the wrong directions. And, and then Isaiah 55, 8 says for my thoughts, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and His ways are not our ways. So it's a whole different thing. So it, it's almost painting the picture that on one side you have man, mankind, human beings left to themselves being unforgiven sinners before we are saved. We are going to be directed by something, our heart, our, our inner self that leads us astray and leads us to make bad decisions and and that's our nature for that to happen because that's natural for us. And so as we follow our heart, we're going to be going in the wrong direction of God, which means if we go in the wrong direction of God, it means we're following that which is destructive, harmful, and hurtful. Proverbs 14.12 there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is destruction. So that's following a heart. And, and that, these scriptures don't have sort of a, a caveat to where it's different for you. So even though the Bible says it, even though for all of human history those things have rang true, you're not the exception to that, nor am I. None of us are the exception that we will find following our heart, following ourself, will demonstrate to us that we are lost sinners. That's what it sh should show to us. That without God, we're empty. That by ourselves we can never be satisfied. That in and of ourselves, that this search for meaning and purpose and love and fulfill, fulfillment cannot be found. And that's why Matthew 12, 34 says, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, 
speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus was pointing out to the religious people that their religion didn't fix their inside. It just made them religious sinners. But it didn't affect the inside. Their DNA was the same. They were still the same tree. They were still the same tree that that out of that same tree, it did not have the ability to bring forth the things of God. And this is what Jesus is saying in verse 43. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. It, It all goes back to the need for a changed nature. Does that make sense? Nothing on the outside, no reform, no program, no therapy, no psychological maneuvering and manipulation can change the nature that we have that is sinful and evil and leads to destruction. So knowing that, do you kind of see how the rejection of God leads one down all sorts of roads of recovery that never really work because there's never really a change. Same tree, same fruit. So Jesus is saying, look, what comes out of your life? Don't justify it. Don't excuse it. Don't think some others have it more than you and maybe you're a little bit better on the spectrum of good than another person. What he's saying is that if you have a rotten tree, the fruit's going to be bad. If your nature is bad, what's going to come out of your life is bad. And there may be some that are better, more gifted, more talented of of dressing up their sin or making it look better or making it more appeasable to other people. But it's all sin. And it's all your nature. And the difference that Jesus makes, He changes our nature. The difference Jesus makes is He literally transforms us or To use the analogy, he makes us a different tree. So who else could do that? That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But with me, all things are possible. Why was he saying that? Well, we can do things, right? You got dressed this morning. Some of you ate this morning. Some of you drank this morning. Some of you drove this. You did things. Why did Jesus say, without me you can do nothing? Because He was saying spiritually. You're not the right tree. You don't have the right origin. You don't have the right makeup at the core of your being. So without me you can do nothing. Well, what do you mean I'm kind of a good person? What do you mean I, I go to church? What do you mean I'm religious? I, no, you can't. You and I do not have the ability because of who we are. It gets down to that. It gets down to who we are. 
then we have to face the reality of who we are. Are sinners separated from God? That's who we are. And so from our innermost self, we will bring forth and our actions will come from those things. And even maybe we'll have some good things that we do, but our motivations for doing them will be wrong. It's like a lot of the a lot of famous people who do philanthropic work, but then they like for example, I'm thinking of Oprah used to have these big giveaways on her show, and so she'd really boost her ratings from the show by showing how kind and benevolent she is. But the motivation is wrong. So this is where it gets really good. It's the transformation. This is where, for me, uh, being a pastor, this is the, really this is why I'm a pastor. Is to watch, have a front row seat, to watch and see people's lives change miraculously. It's amazing. So some people are, often think, well, God doesn't do miracles anymore. And I'm just thinking, are you kidding me? Like, a person's life that's changed from the inside out, and you see it. And some of you are nodding because you're like, that's what happened to me. <laughs> Whew, you should have seen me before. But see, that, that is the beauty of the work of God is His love. It's His love that changes us. But He, he actually changes us from the inside. And that's what we really need. We don't need to dress up on the outside, like dressing up a pig and saying, oh, what a lovely pig. Let's have this pig be a domesticated animal in my house. I know some people have pot belly pigs and things like that, but come on, it's a pig. And even if they're in their house, they don't like it. They want to be where? They want to be in the mud. You're torturing that pig. Let them stay out in the mud. Why? Because that's their nature. But so often we think, man, if I can just get that pig to look better and to dress up better and, and, and to uh, have better manners than, than we're, we've arrived. No, it's still, it's still a pig. That pig needs to become something else. That's the transformation. So we need a change. We need a new nature. How can that happen? God can do that. That's what the cross is all about. For example, you want to jot this down. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After these days, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. Notice it's inside. 
and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, explaining the transformation that happens. So from that, we understand that we're not to be people with a sinful old DNA that try to live our life by some rules on the outside to make our DNA match what it's supposed to be. But Jesus says, when you come to me, because of my work on the cross, what will happen is I will put my laws on your mind and your heart. In other words, you will be changed so you want to do what God wants you to do. In Philippians, it says that God will put in you to will and to do to his good pleasure. So that's the transformation that happens. That inside of you, your affections change. You have affection for God. You have desire for God. You uh, are wired with his laws and wired with his blood of forgiveness to live and walk in the presence of God, enjoying a relationship with God and worshiping God. So that's what changes. And we can't do that unless we change because of our Old nature doesn't do that. Our old nature worships self and not God. Another way to think about this transformation is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have been made new. This is the new man with a new nature with new desires that is described in Romans 8.15 where it says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. That's how we used to live. But you received the spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father. So the new nature, the new tree internally is wired to cry out to God and that word Abba's daddy, father, in a personal loving relationship with God to worship him in spirit and in truth and to walk in fellowship with him. John 3, 3 says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. We have to be new people. Titus 3.5, you getting all this? According to His mercy, He saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So this is the changed life. This is what happens when one puts their faith in Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ washes away their sin, but He also gives us a new nature. He transforms us. We're a different tree. And because of that, Jesus makes an eternal difference. There can't be a higher difference or a higher problem solved than Jesus 
transforming us into His image. And that brings about then a life to where what comes out of the person, the person's changed, the innermost being of an individual is changed, so now the fruit of that person is now different. It's spiritual fruit. So in other words, the actions, the life, what what comes out of a person is coming from who they are now. Their new personhood. So look at verse 44. So as he explains this transformation through this connection between trees and fruits to our lives, he says, every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. It's a sort of a funny illustration that you wouldn't go collect fruit from a weed patch. And I know some people are from Colorado. I'm talking about just regular weeds. But you can use that analogy too. So you can, you won't. <laughs> so you're not going to, let's say a Colorado weed patch. Let's, you're not going to go try to get apples from there. You're not going to get bananas from there. You wouldn't go there. But now what he's doing is he's saying that we are known by what comes out of our life. Every tree is known by its fruit. So how do you and I know each other? We can't see each other's innermost being. And it's kind of weird if somebody tried to do that. It would be very uncomfortable if we looked at someone's innermost being and try to see it. I can't see it. You can practice that on your neighbor if you want, but it's going to make them feel very uncomfortable. We can't see it, but how do, you, how do we know each other? By, by the action, by, by what a person says and what a person does. Our interaction. So that's the only way that we can kind of know what's inside of a person. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said, every tree, so there's not one outside of what Jesus is saying. It's known by what comes out of it. And this is the difference that Jesus makes that only Jesus can make, and it's not just talking about some good things that a person can do, because everybody can do some kind of good things. But we're getting even deeper, we're, we're getting into motivations, we're getting into what we do. Is it glorifying God? That's the aim of a believer, is, is what we do, whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. It's all a spiritual act of worship to God. We can't do those things unless. He changes us. And that's the difference that Jesus makes in our life. But see, here's what happens then. Jesus changes us on the inside. 
And as he does that, then Jesus himself is made known to other people by how the fruit of God comes out of our life. So now this gets even bigger than just how great it is that our self has changed. Now, you and I become great big fruit baskets to the glory of God. We become those whom other people, through the work of God in our heart, will know what God's like. Now, how big is that? How important is that? So it's important because we'll be known by our fruit, which means that God will be known. And that is the responsibility that we've been given as believers is to be ministers of reconciliation, to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And so how does that happen? It happens by God working His fruit out from our life. So people will see our life and they'll see heaven. They'll see the life of God. They'll see the characteristics of Jesus. Now it's very interesting when you think about and study about fruit. It goes all the way back into creation, Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit. Get this, according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth, so it was. According to its kind. That phrase is used 12 times in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1.11 through Genesis 7.14, it's used eight times. And it's stressing the fact that what comes out of our life will be according to what's in our life. So the reproduction of life, spiritually it comes from the DNA or the kind. So we're going to have actions in our life that are according to its kind, according to what's inside. Now, As Jesus tells us how important it is for us to be transformed, but not only transformed, but then for that transformation to actually work itself out in actions. And he says it in a way where we will be known by what comes out of our life. And we will be known by what comes out of our life in a way also where other people will know God through us. And so we see fruit or the bringing forth of the things of God out of a person's life is how that happens. And Jesus, in another way, tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that we are the light of the world. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he says this, let. 
What does that mean? Allow. If you're going to let something happen or allow something to happen, it, it means that you basically say, okay. He says, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works or your fruit and glorify your Father in heaven. So what that means is that you and I don't have to make light. We let light shine. We don't get in the way. We don't hinder. We don't interfere. He also says in Matthew 5, get this, you are the salt of the earth, salt of the earth, But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing. Now that may seem strange if you're a chemistry type of person. Because you understand that salt, the chemistry makeup of salt is NaCl, sodium what? chloride and you say wait a second sodium chloride is very stable well it can't lose its flavor there's no expiration date on salt it's always salty so what's the deal oh i found the error in the bible bible's wrong throw it all out no i was listening to a good friend of mine from Colorado. This is true. Sam Park. You ever heard of him? Sam Park? He's in Littleton, Truth Calvary Chapel. I met him. He went on the trip to Israel with us and just fell in love with him and his wife, and we've been become good friends. So I was listening to one of his messages. And he made this observation of why salt loses its flavor. You know why it can lose its flavor? Only when additives are added to salt. In the 1920s in the United States, iodine was added to salt. When you add iodine to salt, it has an expiration date all of a sudden. So you know what that means? You know what Jesus is saying? He said, we will lose our saltiness and our flavor and the purpose for bearing fruit and letting the light shine when we add all these other substances to our life all these other idols, all these other uh, things that we're devoted for, all these other things that control our life, all these other things that are more important than God, when they're added in, then we lose our flavor. Why? Because we're, we're just like the world. We're just like, so when we become like the world, we lose the purpose for us being in the world, but not of the world. And what's that? To draw people to Christ. And so the last point, how does this all work then? Jesus makes such a difference in this area of of bringing forth fruit, the spiritual fruit, and changes our nature. But watch what happens. We'll we'll end in this. We'll land this plane here. So he says, a good man, and remember... Now that we have Jesus, we are good people. 
because our DNA has changed. We're a different tree. We're in Christ now. So now we, are, we have been changed. So now he's talking about the transformed person in Christ. He says, a good man out of the treasure of his heart, what's that? The innermost being that has been changed by God. So what he's saying is that if you're a believer, you now possess a storehouse. That word treasure is like you can think of a bank or a place you put your valuables, a gun locker for some of you, um, a safety deposit box, or just if you don't have anything, then maybe under your mattress or something like that. But a place where you keep your good stuff. So what he's saying is that if you're a believer, inside of you, you have a place, because it's been changed, that's a storehouse of the things of God. And that's why he says, now you have the ability to keep bringing these things out of that storehouse. A good man, a changed man, a transformed man, out of, that word out is ek, E-K, and it suggests there's a, a point that something comes from. Out of the good treasure that's the God things in the innermost part of the human being brings forth good. So that means that you and I practically are to continue to bring the things of God that are in our innermost being out from us into our life and into the place where everybody can see and experience the things of God. He says, an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance, overflow of the heart, of the innermost person, the mouth speaks. Or in other words, that the things that people know about us that we can communicate, so there's verbal and nonverbal. Here he's talking about verbal but those, the fruit, it comes from that place of transformation in our heart that God has changed and given us the storehouse of good. He's given us a storehouse of the things of the Spirit. He's given us a storehouse that can never be exhausted of riches and treasure of God. And he says the believer is to continually bring forth those things from their life. And as they do... Not only does the believer get to enjoy it, but the believer then overflows with it for other people to enjoy it. John chapter 7, verse 38. He who believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that sounds like refreshing and good it sounds like a lot have any of you gone rafting in rivers like a level five has anybody done a level five any colorado people level four you have okay were you scared was it exciting okay <laughs> So that's what we want. We want level five. We've got to take it up another notch. Living water is just flowing from us. John 4.13, whoever drinks 
of, me, of this water, Jesus says, will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst again. But the water that I give will become in him, in him, a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Fruit. The work of the Spirit in the heart of a human being. I want to end with this. I'm still landing the plane. Luke 12.34 says this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Got that? This is huge. So, how does this fruit, how does our new transform nature now become this torrent of living water? How does it become fruit? So now our origin's different. We have inside of us this pure well and this treasure, all these analogies of the goodness of God. But here's, I think, the critical aspect of this where your treasure is that's where your heart will be so what that means is when we have things in our life that we treasure above God those things of the spirit will have a tendency not to become outward fruit when we have loves outside of God, affections outside of God. That's why it's so important not just to have mental understanding of the things of God. What He wants is our heart. He wants our affection. He wants our worship. And so when we put Him first, when we prioritize Him, when He is our affection, then everything then falls in line behind this great affection, God. And so this fruit, it will spring from what we adore. It will spring from what we love and have affection toward. And that's why Jesus said to love him with all of your heart. He's a jealous God. He doesn't share. He's not into us having idols and worshiping other things. He's God and he demands our full heart of worship. And as John 15 says, if we abide in Him, He'll abide in us and we will bear much fruit. We have been called to bear fruit and that more abundantly, John 15, 10, I think it is, and that our fruit shall remain. And so may we today be mindful of tending the heart, tending the work of God. May our soil be good and receptive and accept the things of God. And as we do, may we walk in the Spirit, being fruit producers, being satisfied in the things of God and filled to overflowing. And may others see Jesus through the fruit of Jesus in our life. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for their desire, Lord, to come and to look into your word, to present themselves to you, to want to grow in you. And I thank you for those listening at home as well. I pray a blessing on them. And Lord, as we finish this morning, I just want to invite anybody here this morning who maybe these are new things and things they have not realized before, but maybe today they realize they're not truly born again, that they're the same old tree And maybe some of their frustration has come because they're trying to bring forth good things from a tree that cannot bring good things. So I pray and invite anybody here or anybody listening to come to Jesus, to repent of your sin, and to cry out and ask Him to come into your life, to transform you, to save you. Do that now. Don't wait. All we know that we have is right now. Today is the day of salvation. And then for the the rest of us, we just want to ask and pray that we would consider that maybe there are some things that we have allowed in our life that are not of you. Maybe some of our actions have have shown us and given us an understanding that maybe something in our heart is an idol or taking the place of the pure devotion of God. So let us return to Him. Let us return to our first love. Let us adore You, Lord. Let us have affection towards You. And Lord, may our lives bear fruit for Your kingdom as long as we're alive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and we're going to worship the Lord as we, we head out. If Anybody this morning would like prayer about anything uh, as we sing this last song, just come on up and we have our wonderful prayer team here. And uh, maybe if we can get Bob and Rebecca over here. And if you want prayer, just come up as we sing this last song. Just don't leave here with anything unsettled in your heart or anything not right. Just bring it to the Lord. They'll be up here. Uh, to receive you in prayer. So God bless you guys. Let's worship the Lord.